Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove and I have COVID. I can tell you this if you're concerned. I was just diagnosed a couple of days ago and I'm already feeling much better. My expectation is that by the time you are watching this video, I'll be completely cured of it. Uh, apparently, there's a surge going on, but I've been double vaccinated and double boosted. And uh, I'm told that the symptoms of uh, all of the people who are getting sick right now because of this surge are relatively mild. The point that I really think is worth making, though, is that the occasion of catching COVID has been, I would call it, a mild spiritual awakening in a sense that it's giving me a new appreciation and maybe a new vision for a topic that's been on my mind many times. And I'm pretty sure I've uh, included it in various ways in previous monologues, mapping the afterlife. You know, Probably the oldest map that we have of the afterlife goes back to the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And I'm going to show you an image now, a famous image from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, but I'm not going to take the time to analyze it in great depth. This is known as the weighing of the heart. The deceased enters the afterlife, has to pass through the 14 deities that you see at the top of, of the picture, and then comes to a place where the heart in a little jar of the deceased is weighed on a scale against a feather, the feather of truth of the goddess Ma'at. And you'll see that the heart in this illustration weighs less than a feather. That means that the deceased is not going to be eaten by that strange creature, which is a combination of four different animals, but will be escorted into the paradise of Osiris by the hawk god Horus. This description is very culturally laden. Uh, yet, it's deeply meaningful. I know that in my first book, The Roots of Consciousness, I considered the hawk to be symbolic of many things, death and rebirth, the afterlife, and even the mysterious intelligence working through the Israeli psychic Uri Geller. But there have been many subsequent maps of the afterlife. We have, for example, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And uh, of course, it's worth mentioning, as I have mentioned many times on New Thinking Aloud, that the Tibetan Book of the Dead was the inspiration for a classic book, The Psychedelic Experience by Timothy Leary, Richard Alpert, and Ralph Metzner who are describing psychedelic experience in terms of what the Tibetan Book of the Dead is telling us about the journey of the soul in the afterlife, suggesting that the psychedelic experience is akin to that. 
And the, the very word psychedelic means mind manifesting. So, the suggestion there obviously is when we look deeply into the contents of our own mind, we are probing the afterlife. This shouldn't be too surprising because we see when Carl Jung looked deeply into the contents of his own mind using a process he called active imagination, as described in his classic Red Book, there were many encounters with figures that were not figures of the archetypal subconscious that Jung described so eloquently in many of his other writings but were figures that he described as visitations from the dead. It seems pretty clear in Jung's writings that he was able to distinguish between the two and that he saw an intersection between the Bardo planes of the afterlife and the realm that he described as the collective unconscious of humanity, something we might consider bordering on what other writers have called mind at large that I've described in a previous monologue. Or <laughs> is it a monologue or am I dialoguing with myself? In any case, what we're looking at is a progression of sophistication when it comes to maps of consciousness, but it may well be that as the maps become more sophisticated, something also gets lost. And I'm reminded of a sentiment expressed by Charles Upton when I interviewed him recently about Sufism, and that is that every new spiritual realization simultaneously masks the truth. And this, no doubt, will be true regarding maps of the afterlife. After all, we know very clearly, especially from the works of Korzybski, that the map is not the territory. Nevertheless, maps are important. We have the wonderful descriptions of heaven and hell by the great 18th century Swedish seer, Emanuel Swedenborg, who claimed to have clear, clairvoyant insights into the afterlife for decades, starting at about the age of 50. And then we also have the great work of Alan Kardec. That was a pen name. His, his real name was Hippolyte Rivail, and he was a French doctor and a, an academic pedagogic uh, scholar, pedagogy, the study of education itself. Who, who did created his own maps of the afterlife using a consensus methodology and applying uh, the insights that he gained from numerous mediums, spiritualist mediums. And he would consider their descriptions regarding the nature of the spiritual realms and the afterlife to be accurate if he could at least find consensus among seven mediums. That's my understanding, although it may be far more complex and I, I can't say that I've studied it in detail, but it's a step in the direction of modernity in the sense that he is applying a an academic discipline to our knowledge of the afterlife. And as a result, he founded a world religion. 
I think it's a, a very important step forward. But we can say that over the last hundred years, there have been many more sophisticated additions to our knowledge of the afterlife, particularly the early work of the Society for Psychical Research. Not just the early work, but the important work that occurred after the death of some of the initial founders, Myers, Gurney, Sidgwick, all by 1900 or so, 1902, had died. And we're now communicating from the other side. In fact, it's pretty clear that they developed a methodology of their own from the other side in order to minimally prove that they were really there communicating, known as the cross correspondences, in which various messages were communicated to mediums in North America, in India, and in England. Those messages sometimes only made sense when they were put together like pieces of a puzzle in order to authenticate both the um, content of the message because it only made sense when put together, as I say, but then it also revealed aspects of the personality of the communicators. Now, this is a very important early effort in establishing, you could call it, a collaboration between deceased psychical researchers or parapsychologists, as we might now call them, and living researchers. What a unique event and, and really one of the first I'm aware of on that scale in human history. It went on for some 30 years culminating in the production of the great book, The Road to Immortality, ostensibly dictated by the deceased Frederick Myers, author of the great classic Human Personality and its Survival of Bodily Death While Alive, but dictated by him through the automatic writing of Geraldine Cummins in 1932, some three decades after his death, and it's his effort to put into human language the extraordinary experiences he himself as a soul had been enjoying, largely enjoying, in the afterlife. Now, how can we improve upon all of that work? How can we take it a step further today? Naturally, there are many questions that Myers left unanswered, and sometimes various paradoxes and inconsistencies in the book itself. I should add that the book, The Road to Immortality, is taken quite seriously because, amongst other things, it was endorsed by Sir Oliver Lodge, the great physicist, the co-author with Marconi of the radio, co-inventor of, uh, of the radio with Marconi, one of the great scientists of his era. He was a spiritualist. He had written about the survival of his own son, Raymond. He had been having extensive communications with Raymond through the great medium, Gladys Osborne Leonard. And communicating through with Raymond, he uh, came to understand that Myers himself was working with Raymond in the afterlife, and he was able to query Myers through Raymond about 
the road to immortality. And Myers authenticated through the mediumship of Mrs. Leonard that, yes, that that was his legitimate effort to communicate through Geraldine Cummins and that he was largely satisfied with the final product. And as a result of that, Sir Oliver Lodge wrote a foreword to the road to immortality, giving it a stamp of credibility unlike any of the other channeled and mediumistic communications about the afterlife. So, even today, 90 years later, it stands as probably our most sophisticated, trustworthy map of the afterlife. But surely, it could be improved upon. And that's where maybe the fact that I now have COVID has caused me to ask this question of myself. What if I had died as so many have died of COVID, even though I'm only experiencing the mildest symptoms, as you could probably tell. But what if I were dead? Would I want to spend 30 years exploring the afterlife and reporting on my exploration to uh, people on the physical plane, to parapsychologists and psychical researchers? Would that be a priority of mine? Or how about this question. I've interviewed many people since the original Thinking Aloud program, uh, which was launched in 1987, and doing radio interviews for 15 years prior to that, many of them are already deceased. And many of the great contributors to parapsychology who I knew in my earlier years are already deceased two important mentors in my life. Arthur M. Young and H. Dean Brown are already deceased. And many people who I've even interviewed on the new Thinking Aloud channel are recently deceased. I sometimes wonder if it's likely or even possible to establish ongoing communication with some of these, a partnership with people I knew well while they were alive who could report back through mediums or through a hypnotic process, maybe uh, some way directly to me, perhaps even Ted Owens, the PK man, with whom I had a rather close relationship and has been on the other side since his death in 1987. Would it be possible to communicate with any of these individuals? And if so, how to do it in the most responsible, sophisticated manner that would be even useful to people? Why do it? Well, because it's a mountain waiting to be climbed. It's the search for more refined maps, for more knowledge. That seems to be uh, reason enough for me. I've been passionate about this field for throughout my entire adult life. On the other side, would I feel the same passion? Would I feel the same motivation? And even then, would I begin to know how to do it? What's involved in establishing that kind of dedicated communication from the other side? And having partners on the living side. I know one potential communicator I would be greatly interested in reaching out to would be my dear friend Jean Millay. 
who has been uh, described uh, in another interview. Well, the very talented psychic medium, Gail Heisen, who has been interviewed many times on New Thinking Aloud, was a close friend with Jean right up until uh, months before her death. And uh, we've even described uh, a tribute to Jean by Gail. I'm going to link to it. There it is on the right side of your screen, Gail Hasten's tribute to Jean Millay. If you have uh, a laptop or desktop computer, you can link to it now. I don't know that these links work if you're listening to this on a uh, iPhone or a smartphone or a tablet. Maybe. In any case, there's an instance of a living medium who had a close friendship with a medium herself uh, who is now deceased, both women talented in the research department as well. So, uh, wouldn't that be an ideal combination for exploring the afterlife? Can we put together a team of people on this side and on the other side working together? to create such maps. And is it even impossible to map the afterlife when you consider that it's probably infinitely vast and complex? It might be as vast as the imagination itself. And speaking of imagination, one of the big questions I would have when exploring the afterlife is, how, where, where does something like the land of Oz fit in? A clear creation of human creativity, brilliant creativity. Uh, it's so real to so many people. Ever, it's, it's been uh, viewed and, uh, and there have been stories told to children going back about 90 years as well. I think the first movie came out in the 1930s and it's still popular today. Now, I think The Land of Oz is not a real place in the sense that imaginal worlds are real. That uh, it's, for example, not as real as other areas of the afterlife. But ultimately, as my friend Charles Upton reminds me, the only reality may be God. Everything else may be ultimately less than perfectly real. Or as the Buddhists sometimes say, they're impermanent. As the Hindus often suggest, it's all maya. It's all a, a play of the divine. It's an illusion in some way. But even an illusion can be mapped. Let me leave you with this thought. If you were on the other side instead of living and watching this video through the normal means. And, and of course, I don't know whether people on the other side are able to view my videos. That would be quite interesting to learn. But what would intrigue you from the other side in terms of establishing a relationship with uh, people on this side? For the most part, especially if we look historically, such relationships are based on emotional ties, particularly ties of love, almost all mediumistic communications are messages of love and comfort. 
I think it starts there. It starts at the emotional level. But we certainly have a community of people who are passionate about exploring the depths of human consciousness. And the depths of human consciousness undoubtedly include what we now think of as the afterlife. So, if you were on the other side, what would you want to communicate? It's certainly a thought that's on my mind. I've had many other thoughts about it, but I'll stop now. Uh, perhaps there'll be other opportunities in the future to go into even greater depth. So, thank you for being with me and thank you for being with us. And since I feel having contracted COVID, that I'm also deepening my own ability to be receptive to healing energy, healing blessings upon you.